Welcome to Vedic Mythology, Music, and Mantras. I'm Ben Collins. This week we have a couple of great stories from the Mahabharata in which the common theme is birds. As always, this podcast is presented by Pujanet, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T, your Vedic resource on the web, where you will find a new video that shows how to perform a very simple Ganesha Puja. This video is about five minutes long and includes the Sanskrit text on screen, as well as being chanted as the puja is performed by Sitarama Shastri. There's a link on the PujaNet site, and you can also find it on YouTube. Uh, look under my account, Ben Collins. It's a great and very easy way to learn how to perform a simple puja, so check it out. The long epics of the Vedic tradition, like the Mahabharata and Ramayana, often contain stories that may have not a lot to do with the main storyline, but which are there to convey some spiritual lesson through an interesting story. And as is always the case with the Vedic tradition, there's a constant reminder to seek depth and to look beyond the surface forms of spirituality, like tradition and conventionality. In this case, the story is from the Mahabharata, and it starts with a very learned Brahmin who is full of knowledge about the Vedas and other sacred books. As the story goes, one day he was sitting under a tree deep in meditation when a female crane flew overhead, and as birds will occasionally do with great accuracy, pooped on him. Not only was the Brahmin surprised, but he was angry as well, and he cursed the bird who immediately fell dead on the ground. When the Brahmin saw the bird, he felt badly that he had lost control of his anger and that it had resulted in the death of the blameless bird. He also felt a sense of foreboding that this bad karma is going to come back to him in some way. But there was nothing that he could do, and so he continued his walk into the local village to beg for food for lunch, as was his custom. He stopped at a home where he had been fed before and simply said to the woman who answered, Give. Well, the old woman looked at him and said equally abruptly, Wait. Well, the Brahmin sat down outside the house, and shortly the woman's husband came home. The husband was hungry and tired, and his wife set about making him comfortable and then feeding him a tasty meal. And after he ate and was resting comfortably, she enjoyed her own meal. Well, the hungry Brahmin was still sitting outside and was getting grumpy because he was hungry, and being a famous Brahmin was certainly not accustomed to being ignored. So he called for the woman and heatedly said to her, May I understand what you mean by this treatment of me? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know that we Brahmins have no superiors on earth or in heaven? Do you not know that even Indra, the king of heaven, is afraid of us? The woman was not terribly impressed, but she didn't want to make the situation worse. And so she replied, Yes, I know who you are, and I know the power of the Brahmins. I know that the sea was made undrinkable by the curse of the Brahmins, and that one of you even drank up the entire ocean. I have no intention of giving you insult. What I was doing, sir, was doing my highest duty, that of attending to my family and my husband. So please do not think of me as a crane to be blasted by your anger. How did she know? Besides, anger is a man's worst enemy, and you ought to keep it under control. In fact, sir, the real Brahman is the man who does not lose his temper, 
who does not pay back an injury, who is truthful and generous, and who keeps his passions under control, who sponsors yagyas, studies the Vedas, and teaches knowledge to others. In fact, I would say that you do not know what real spirituality and virtue are, and I would tell you what you ought to do. Go to Mithila and find the bird catcher there. He will teach you. Well, the Brahmin, to his credit, responded meekly and headed off to find the bird catcher. When he arrived in Mithila, he was surprised to find that the bird man operated a butcher's shop where a crowd of people were buying venison and buffalo meat. The owner addressed the Brahmin by name and said that he had been expecting him. Expecting me? How could you expect me? I've told no one of my visit here, said the Brahmin. Well, the butcher said, I knew that you were coming, and I know where you were staying, but that's not acceptable. You must stay with me. Well, the Brahmin was cautious and said that he really didn't think that the butcher had a proper occupation and that he really ought to give it up. But why, the butcher said, it is the occupation I was born to. I'm a shudra, and it's my duty to serve the other three castes. You say that it's a cruel occupation, and indeed perhaps it is. But I am the victim of my own past deeds, and this is the life that I have. But as it happens, I do not kill the animals whose flesh I sell. Animals are always being killed for food. Even in the wild, one animal is food for another. So it is all very well for people to say, don't kill, but it's quite impossible for, to refrain from taking life. When a farmer plows a field, even when a man takes a walk, living beings die. The best one can say is that they killed fewer beings than others. And so he also makes an interesting statement that people tend to blame the gods for causing them so much suffering, when in fact they should blame themselves and remember that each of us is only reaping the fruit of whatever good or evil that we had done in a previous life. And the butcher and the Brahmin continue to converse, and they cover a number of different topics, and the butcher finally invited the Brahmin to come with him to visit his parents. When they arrived, the Brahmin could tell that the butcher's parents were very well cared for. The butcher explained that with 33 million gods and goddesses to choose from, he had decided to simply worship his parents as manifestations of the divine. He pointed out to the Brahmin that indeed he would be well served to go home and take care of his own parents, whom he rarely saw and who were suffering from his neglect. He rather pointedly told the Brahmin that any man must first live properly, with care and concern for all living beings, before they worry about reading the Vedas. Well, how do you know these things? asked the Brahmin. It's almost impossible for a man of low birth to gain this knowledge. How could this have happened? Well, the butcher said, in a previous verse, I was a good Brahmin and the good friend of a king, and he and I would go off in the forest to go hunting. As fate would have it, one day I saw what I thought was a deer, and I shot an arrow at it. But it was not a deer, it was a rishi, who howled in pain at being shot like that. He did not die, but he cursed me for having caused him needless pain and suffering. So I was cursed to be born as a butcher." I pled with him to relent, but a Brahmin's curse can only be modified, not withdrawn. 
So he allowed as how I could be virtuous and knowledgeable in this life, and so I've done my best. Well, duly chastened, the Brahmin returned to his village and determined that his conduct would match the purity of his learning. The second story this week is also from the Mahabharata, and it's a little bit more unusual and has a slightly macabre overtone, uh, reminding us of Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice. There once was a king of Benares by the name of Shivi. One day he was sitting outside when he observed a pigeon being chased by a hawk. The hawk swooped and dived, and the king marveled at this display. But suddenly the pigeon flew straight into the king's lap and said, Have mercy on me. Please save me from my cruel enemy, the hawk. Well, these were traditional times, and this was all that was needed, and the king immediately agreed, because the Vedas say that one who refuses another in need will be struck by lightning, his children will die, and the gods will refuse his offerings, and his ancestors will reside in hell. So it didn't take much for the king to agree to protect the pigeon. Thus protected, the pigeon relaxed, and soon the hawk swooped down to speak with the king. He immediately asked the king who had appointed him monarch of the skies. The hawk said it was all very well for the king to be in command of the affairs of the earth, but when it came to the skies, the king was interfering inappropriately. It's very kind of you to offer protection to the pigeon, the hawk said, but the ways of karma are complex, and this situation should be considered from other points of view. To be certain, you have saved the life of this small pigeon, but you're doing me an injury by robbing me of my natural and appointed food. Surely you know that if I do not get food, I will die, and if I die, who will look after my wife and my child? No one can live without food. And if you save the pigeon's life, you take from me mine and that of my family. And that means that three lives are lost when you meant to save one. The king was not sure what to do and thought that this wise hawk must be Garuda, the carrier of Vishnu in disguise. After all, the hawk was speaking in perfect Sanskrit. Well, the king realized that the hawk was in no danger of dying. He, the king, pointed out to the hawk that it would be no trouble to provide him with anything that the hawk might wish to eat. The king offered buffalo, even a whole oxen. Anything could be cooked nicely with rice and vegetables galore. But the hawk was not interested. I do not like their flesh, the hawk said. I never eat it. I like pigeon. And I eat pigeon only because that is what the gods in heaven have decreed that a hawk should eat, and I am not going to change that just to satisfy you. Well, said the king, I have offered to feed you anything within my power to give you. I will give you anything you desire, even my wealth, my kingdom. But I cannot surrender one who has appealed to me for protection. Okay, says the hawk, I will take you at your word. If indeed you are serious that you will give me what I desire, I will take a piece of your flesh, equal in weight, to the pigeon whom you are so eager to protect. Well, the king looked at the hawk and said simply, Thank you. I shall do so with pleasure. He called for a servant to bring a balanced scale and a sharp knife, and without flinching the king carved off a piece of his thigh, roughly the same size as the pigeon, and placed it on the balance. 
but it was not heavy enough, so the king cut off another piece. But strangely, the combined weight was still smaller than the weight of the small pigeon bird. Well, news of this strange occurrence quickly sped through the palace, and the queen, all the king's ministers and servants, came running to see the king and the hawk. But when they got there, they were astonished to see the growing pile of the king's flesh on the balance stacked up against a very small pigeon who still outweighed the flesh. Word spread even to heaven, and all the gods and goddesses looked on as the king cut the last piece of flesh from his bones and placed it on the scale. Still it would not balance, and so the king, now only a skeleton, hopped on to the scale himself. Everyone was inspired by the devotion of the king to his promise. Flowers and Amrita rained down upon him from heaven, and everyone waited to see what would happen next. But the hawk simply looked, hopped up, and flew away, saying, Saved! Saved! The king, who had had some doubt about the hawk's real identity, turned to the pigeon and asked, Who is this hawk from whom I have saved you? Ah, said the pigeon, that hawk is Indra, Indra the king of the gods. And I am not a pigeon, I am Agni, the god of fire. We were talking about the purity of your spiritual nature and devotion to Dharma, and so we thought we would come and give you a test. You've done well, and your name and story will be told in all future generations. So this story is pretty unusual, but there are some profound spiritual lessons lurking metaphorically beneath the surface. Of course, we're supposed to identify with the king, and we can all understand his compassion and the resulting desire to protect the pigeon. It's said that the Buddha's spiritual journey of many lifetimes began with just a moment of compassion. But of course, we can also relate to the logic of the hawk and his family who must eat too, as well as the difficulty of doing the right thing in balance for the hawk and the pigeon. With all the king's resources, there was little that he could do. The material world cannot always solve a problem, and so what the king did was to offer his own flesh piece by piece to try to counterbalance the weight of the pigeon. Unsuccessfully at first, and it was only when he offered himself, all of himself, his skin and his bones and flesh that the scales would balance. It's a powerful image of the degree of surrender and devotion that we must develop in order to advance, truly, in a spiritual sense. The king is like Narayana in the Purusha Suktam, who sacrifices himself with the help of Agni, in order to establish and uphold dharma, or the natural order of things. Genuine spirituality is sometimes extreme. There's a song to Shiva in which the devotee says that as his devotion grows, he notices that Shiva, as the god of destruction, takes more and more of his possessions away from him. Just like the king who has to carve away more and more of his own flesh until all that's left of the, is the skeleton, the song to Shiva concludes with the devotee saying, All that I have left to offer is myself, which is, of course, all that Shiva wanted all along. And then only is liberation granted. From an astrological perspective, it is Saturn who pushes us to the edge, to the limit of our abilities, in order to strip away all that is unnecessary and superfluous. So this is a common theme in the Vedic tradition, the importance of sacrifice, in all its many different forms. 
So, of course, we have to have some chanting related to birds. So first, we will hear, we will hear Garuda Dandakam, a hymn about Garuda, the great eagle who carries Vishnu and Lakshmi around. And then we have the Purusha Suktam from the Rig Veda in honor of King Shivi, who offered even his own skeleton, just as in the Purusha Suktam, Narayana offers himself into the sacrificial fire in order to animate all of creation. And that'll be all for this week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Shri Garuda Dandakaha Shri Man Venkatanatharyaha Kavitarkika Kesari Vedanta Charya Varyome Sanidhattam Sadahrudi Namapannaganadhaya Vaikunthavashavartine Shruti Sindhu Sudhotpada Mandaraya Garutmate Namapannaganadhaya Vaikunthavashavartine Shruti Sindhu Sudhotpada Mandaraya Garutmate Garudamakhila Veda Nida Dhirudham Vishat Pida Not Kantita Kunta Vaikunta Piti Kritas Kandamide Swanida Gati Prita Rudra Sukirtistana Boga Gadhopa Gudas Purat Kantaka Vrata Veda Vyatha Vepamana Dujihua Dipakalpa Vishvadiamanas Patavatika Ratnarochishatarajini Rajitam Kantikalolini Rajitam Jayaguruda Supernadarvi Karahara Deva Dipahara Harindivokaspati Kshipta Damboli Darakina Kalpa Kalpantavatula Kalpo Dayanalpavira Ito Dietjamatkara Daityari Jaitra Dwajaro Hanirdhari Tot Karsha Sankarshanatman Garutman Marut Panchaka Dhisha Satyadi Murte Nakaschit Samaste Namaste Punaste Namaha Nama Ida Majahat Sapariya Pariya Niriyata Pakshani Lasfala Nodvela Pathodi Vichi Chapeta Hatagadha Patala Bhankara Sankruddhana Gendra Pida Sruni Bhava Bhaswanakashrena Ye Chanda Tundaya Bhrithyat Bhujanga Bhruve Vajrane Damstraya Tubhyamadhyatma Vidya Vidheya Vidheya Bhavadasyama Padayetha Dayetas Chame Manuranugata Pakshivaktras Furattara Kastava Kaschitra Bhano Priyashe Karastrayatam Nastrivarga Pavarga Prasutihi Paravyomadhaman Valadveshudarpa Jualadwalya Kilya Pratignavatir Nastiram Tatva Buddhim Param Bhaktidhenum Jagan Mula Kande Mukunde Mahananda Dogdhim Dadita Mudaka Mahinam Ahinam Ahinam Shatrinchat Ganacharano Narapari Pati Navina Gumbhaganaha Vishnuratha Dandako Yam Vighatayatu Vipakshavahini Vyuham Shatrinchat Ganacharano Narapari Pati Navina Gumbhaganaha 
ವಿಷ್ಣುರಥ ದಂಡಕೋಯಂ ವಿಘಟಯತು ವಿಪಕ್ಷವಾಹಿನೀ ವ್ಯೂಹಂ ವಿಚಿತ್ರಸಿದ್ಧಿದಸ್ಸೋಯಂ ವೆಂಕಟೇಶ ವಿಪಶ್ಚಿತ ಗರುಡಧ್ವಜತೋಷಾ ಗೀತೋ ಗರುಡದಂಡಕ ವಿಚಿತ್ರಸಿದ್ಧಿದಸ್ಸೋಯಂ ವೆಂಕಟೇಶ ವಿಪಶ್ಚಿತ ಗರುಡಧ್ವಜತೋಷಾ ಗೀತೋ ಗರುಡದಂಡಕ ಕವಿತಾರ್ಕಿಕಸಿಂಹಾಯ ಕಲ್ಯಾಣಗುಣಶಾಲಿನೇ ಶ್ರೀಮತೆ ವೆಂಕಟೇಶಾಯ ವೇದಾಂತಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ಸಹಸ್ರಶೀರ್ಷಾಪುರುಷಾಚಸಹಸ್ರಭಾಸಾಕ್ಷಸಹಸ್ರಭಾಸಾಕ್ಷಸಹಸ್ರಭಾಸ